The U.S. dollar, Yankee fiat, cash, bills, paper, greenbacks, moolah, scratch, dough, bread, cheddar, dead prezies. No matter what you like to call it, that dollar-dollar bill is a wrecking ball, y'all. At least now that it's reprising its role as one. Now first, we can have inflation and a strengthening dollar. It's all relative. There are some interesting dynamics that are shifting in the world today. But let's leave the explanation of that dynamic for another mini-podcast. The dollar goes through waves of strength and weakness, but technology and globalized trade tends toward it staying in a longer-term, weaker trend. By that, I mean relative weakness as opposed to a strengthening dollar, which which can have big negative global impact. And it has been up big this year. In fact, it's one of the only things that has a positive return year-to-date. When you have a stronger dollar, that usually bodes well for imports, but it can have a detrimental effect by reducing the ability for countries to produce goods in a cost-effective way and ship them to the United States. More on that in a minute. The U.S. dollar is still the world's de facto reserve currency of choice. It's based on trust, the economic weight of the United States, which still accounts for 25% of the world's global economy, its low probability of risk, low likelihood of the U.S. not paying on its bills or its bonds, its U.S. treasuries. Depending on the stats you're looking at, somewhere between 78 to 87% of global trade is still settled in USD. And nearly all commodities are priced in U.S. dollars. So when countries exchange local currency for inputs, commodities, priced in dollars, and those dollars are increasing in relative strength, while made even worse when commodities are less available, it shuts everything down. More local currency must be printed to exchange for dollars, reinforcing the negative cycle. Let me give an example. Let's say you own a business in Argentina and you're using Argentine pesos. Now there's a central bank in Argentina which will exchange pesos for dollars. You have inputs for your business or commodities and those are priced in dollars and it's taking more pesos to get more dollars to pay for those inputs. So what do you do? Well, you have to print more pesos and that drives up inflation in your own country. And it can get bad enough where production is just shut down. And what does that do? Well, it starts putting a cap on the ability for us to import cheaper goods made abroad. So a runaway strengthening dollar over a period of time really is not in our favor. Let's get back to that in a minute. Here's a way to track the strength of the dollar. Type in DXY, that's Delta X-ray Yankee, DXY quote or DXY index. Currently it's around 106, which is already historically high. It's normally been hanging around uh, the 90s, low, mid, high 90s. It's recently been up in the 109 range and that is affecting some pretty serious friction overseas. Now if it goes to say 115 to 118, things are going to get very bad, very quickly. The last time it was this high was 20 years ago during the dot-com bust and recession of 2000 to 2002. And before that, the last time it was this high was 1985 when we had a meeting that would change its course. The 1985 Plaza Accord was a joint agreement signed September 1985 at the Plaza Hotel in New York City between the G5 nations at the time, France, West Germany, Japan, the UK, and the United States. To depreciate the US dollar, in relation to all of those other currencies. Now, for the sake of time, we're going to leave the Plaza Accord for another another mini podcast. (laughs) Let's just say when the dollar gets too strong for too long, 
bad things happen globally, we find ourselves having to step in and alleviate the issue. Now, we agree with the view that it's not the weakness of the dollar that would challenge its hegemony or reserve currency status, but the dollar's strength that could cause decoupling. However, that is still a very, very challenging hurdle because it assumes a lot of things. It's usually the rise of a superpower in some sort of war that unseats a current dominant currency. And although China has been a rising power, they have significant challenges in the form of demographics, lack of financial transparency, the lack of true freedom within the system, a faltering economy. Choosing a currency for trade and reserve investment is a matter of trust. We've also heard Russia challenging the dollar narrative and the discussion of a BRICS alliance, uh, that's B-R-I-C-S, that stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. In this case, the only country we would concern ourselves with here regarding currency choice is India. It's a rising economic power, the most democratic of all BRICS, and has the best demographics in the form of younger replacement generations. India also has a unique claim to hegemony within the Indian Ocean. As it said, China has looked to expand vertically and India horizontally. Uh, we think that India has the least to gain from signing on with some sort of BRICS reserve currency as an alternative. So there's much more to see here before we make that call. We think there's quite some time before the US dollar will be thoroughly challenged as the preferred reserve currency. And these arguments could become an irrelevant point soon if we slip back into deflation. And let's visit some strengths for the good old US dollar. Because of our status as a net energy exporter and the largest producer of agricultural products, combined with the fact that no other country has both of these attributes and a favorable demographic structure like we do with younger rich replacement generations, that puts us at a great advantage. Add to that our internal road and river networks provide a massive advantage in terms of lower transport costs and continued adoption of natural gas will allow for further onshoring of manufacturing. By the way, shout out to industry peer Eric McArdle for a great conversation earlier on this topic. Now, the higher dollar might impact us eventually because many of our goods come from overseas. Expect if this dollar strength continues, we will likely see more countries falter in the coming months and more civil unrest. And it's going to take some time for us to restore manufacturing, production, and supply chain in the Western Hemisphere. And as we continue to make this longer term or secular pivot away from China in terms of manufacturing, we might see fewer goods and more competition for these goods. And we're likely to experience some continued inflationary pressure, though probably not as high as recent numbers. Also in the long term, we know that the conditions of growth are deflationary. Technology, innovation, automation, favorable demographics, and continued globalization, albeit in a different form and augmented from our wholesale reliance on China. Maybe you learned something interesting from this, uh, but don't sweat the fear mongering. Keep an eye on the dollar's moves and you can feel hopefully a little more informed. If you like this content, please subscribe and give a rating. For more info on who we are, please visit followthemission.com. For other timely and insightful professional content, connect and follow us on LinkedIn. You can find that link easily on our website, again, at followthemission.com. And if you want more of a fun, uncensored, irreverent take, you can follow us on Twitter at the handle motion to action That's at motion, the number two, action.
It's under the funny name GarageBand Hedge Fund.